Welcome to Omalort, Chicago history you never learned in school. I am joined by John Zinn, and I'm going to update him on the Ed Burke trial, which we aren't even halfway through for reasons that I will discuss later. Have you heard anything? Yes, I've been watching a little bit, but I can't wait to hear your your <laughs> summary. Oh, it's been so... Uh, it's been really tedious and boring, but also great. But you're talking to someone who listened to and watched both of the Alex Jones trials. I'm a weirdo. But I think we're going to have some fun. And thanks to Viagra and Massage Parlors, we get to enter the room where it happened. What I'm going to do, basically, is mostly read... What I consider to be some of the top tweets. So this is more of an exercise in yes and, or for those people not familiar with improv, hold my beer. If this was a law and order corruption, we would say they jumped the shark. Yeah. And really, Burke should have just talked less and smiled more. From day one, Nearly moment one, we have this tweet from Jason Messner or Meisner of the Chicago Tribune. 53 potential jurors are in the room. Joe Duffy introduces Burke, who stands and nods and says, good morning. Right away, we have one woman raise her hand and says she knows Burke from the country club, presumably the Beverly Country Club which was staked out by the FBI. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, that was, man. Yeah, you called it, man. <laughs> that, that was one of the first tweets. They're going through about 12 jurors a day. They have to get into an absurd amount of uh, jurors. But we'll get back into that also. There's a display on the 25th floor of the federal building about corruption in Illinois, and the defense wanted it covered during jury selection. From what I gather, it's 11 photos that deal with topics such as Al Capone, the 1968 DNC, the Chicago 7 trial, a 1918 court bombing, and Blago, which... Covering up is weird because in Chicago, we've had a corruption trial or two, and no one has asked to have this display covered up. And in fact, these are the same lawyers, as we talked about, that defended uh, Mayor Daley's nephew, and they didn't have it covered up then, but they were afraid it was going to impact the jury. Maybe they should read closer. It is Chicago's federal building. It could be in support of corruption. Yes, which the whole thing was just, I guess it's still covered up, or at least it was earlier this week. We have more jury selection by, I want to say the end of the first day, one of the potential juries lived across the street from Fast Eddie's kid. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie's kid and was a nurse on duty at Northwestern when Harold Washington died. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was crazy, especially in a city of 3 million, and the jury pool is even larger than that. Seidel from the Chicago Sun-Times tweeted, on the third day of jury selection, an ex-Ald Edberg's trial should be underway. FWIW We've heard from 14 Chicagoans so far. 10 have been able to name their ward or city council member. That includes four of the six questioned on Monday before they knew the question was coming. So that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And they're asking questions like pubs or socks, which is useful in jury selection, I feel, in Chicago. And the judge tells them, on Wednesday that they need to hurry it along and it's going to conclude on Thursday and after lunch, they're going to get to opening arguments. Were you being 
sarcastic about Cubs versus Sox is useful or yeah. no real? You know, I actually think it's a useful question for jury selection in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Because of, I'm just thinking about a theater that I once worked for and one of the, one of the patron research things we did, it came back that they are mostly Cubs fans. And going along with demographics, it's, it's not the overriding demographic, of course, but it is like, it is one. And geography. It, geography. Yeah, I feel like it's a useful question. Yeah. Yeah. And the journalist Tribune and Sun-Times were tweeting out really fascinating stuff about the jury. You got a really good composite of who was being called for jury duty. On Thursday morning, we're going to finish up jury selection and we're going to get to opening arguments. Except one of the lawyers or the lawyers enter wearing masks because one of them has tested positive for COVID and two of them aren't feeling well and will probably test positive of what? Yes. But they so yeah. They came in, they were wearing masks, but court is adjourned for another week. Which isn't as drastic as it sounds because that that Friday would have been Veterans Day. And the judge had two days the following week that had conflict. So there they didn't miss out on as many days as That's a couple days. Yeah. But they get they everyone gets sent home, but not before Judge Virginia Kendall said, stay healthy. And make sure you drink your orange juice and get some sleep. Thank you, Your Honor. So I'm just going to tell you, and it will become evident, one of the things about the judge in the Alex Jones, Texas trial was we all, there were a bunch of us on the internet that called her mom judge because she just had mom energy. Okay. She's been replaced by Judge Virginia Kendall. In the mom energy category? In the mom judge energy category. Got it. Mm, interesting. So we're back. And on the last episode of Law and Order Corruption, we had a potential juror who recognized the defendant from the country club. Another one who lived across the street from the kid of one of Burke's cohorts and covered a display. And then a weak adjournment due to COVID. Did they drink their orange juice and get enough rest? We dive back into jury selection from Jason Meisner. Juror 64 is a 70 year old retired Merck trader from Geneva. His daughter is an attorney who was on George Bryan's defense team. He previously told the judge he thinks that should disqualify him, but the judge is grilling him anyways. Quote, you're retired. What do you have to do? Now, we have this tweet from Mariah Wolfell. She is part of the Sun-Times. She wrote, a 70-year-old potential juror tells the judge he initially heard about Burke's legal trouble, but isn't up to speed on the case because, quote, there was a point in my life when I decided I didn't have to care about what I didn't care about. Hey, been there. Been there. And that's goals. And then he says, she adds, says he would be golfing if he weren't here today. Hey, he knows him. Mariah also tweeted out a potential juror who grew up in Chicago says she heard a lot about former old Dick Mel growing up. Judge asks whether it was good or bad. Quote, let's just say my family had to go to a lot of fundraisers. End quote. Defensive attorneys immediately asked to continue the conversation in private. <laughs> Fun fact. I recently learned that Dick Mel, Rod Voyage's father-in-law, is a graduate of Muskegon Public High School. There you go. Yeah. Also, the school that brought us Jim Baker. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We are now finally on to opening arguments. John Seidel sums it up. This has been a typical government opening statement. 
Chapman is walking the jury through many, that's in all caps, details that we've all been oriented to over five years. At least one juror, parentheses, an alternate, looks possibly confused. I suspect we'll see a very different style from the defense. They just lay it out. It's again, and it's one thing that I think is weird to remember is the 29th of this month marked five years since they executed the search. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you how long because I couldn't remember. All right. It took five years to get to trial. Yeah, because of COVID. Yeah. COVID is the uh, gift that keeps delaying this trial. But what was he? The search was five years ago and he was indicted, what, three years ago or something? Well, the initial, so he was, the search was in 2018. He was initially indicted for the Burger King on a single count in January of 2019. The and then, yeah. And the superseding counts came in the spring of 2019. 2019. Okay. And then, we all know the COVID timeline, so we don't have to go through that. Yes, yes we are familiar. So one interesting detail from Seidel is, this is a tweet, Ed Burke is repeatedly qu- clicking his pen while listening to the prosecutor's opening statement. It's surprisingly loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is just vibes. <laughs> it just, so, it makes me think of the episode of The Office where they're clicking their pens to Morse code to each other. <laughs> Now, the defense gets up, and this is from Jason Meisner. Gare is up now and predictably fiery, saying what the prosecutors said was a story. Quote, Mr. Burke never asked for anything from anyone in this case, not for money, not for legal business, anything, never. That was his quote. Burke also never got anything. Quote, this is a bribery case without a bribe. Remember, we talked about, and one of the things they've been saying for five years now, basically, is that he never personally benefited, and that would be part of the defense. And that's part of the defense. Yeah. Now, this is from Seidel. Gare walked over to Burke, who was sitting in a chair with his arms crossed. Gare then called it, quote, or called it the, quote, greatest honor of my career to represent this good man, end quote, as he stood behind Burke. Okay. If you haven't thrown up in your mouth yet by that, Seidel tweets this. Gare also introduced to the jury to Burke's family, including retired Illinois Supreme Court Chief Justice Ann Burke and their children. Of course. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is predictable. Yeah. And then another tweet from Seidel. Gare tells jurors the four alleged schemes in the indictment have a few things in common. First, quote, what Ed Burke is doing is making phone calls to try to help people, end quote. Also, quote, there's an awful lot of witnesses who are trying to make what Burke did sound sinister or wrong. Or it was wrong. Sinister. You could look at that he was just trying to help people. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if anybody is trying to paint things as sinister. That's like a. That's like an inflammatory word from the defense. Gare tells the jury that the feds told Solis, quote, go forth, Danny, and record. The attorney then explains that Solis recorded his sister, his lawyer, his friends, and, quote, some of the most honored city hall administrators, end quote. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. oh. when people think about Chicago City Hall, they think honor. Yes. Honor among, I won't say it. <laughs> uh, he then throws Rom under the bus. Because Rom was the mayor. Gotcha. Mm. The next morning, opening arguments continue, and Seidel tweets this. Gare is on the alleged Burger King scheme. 
he is telling the jurors that Burke was a quote unquote steward of the ward and was concerned about prostitution and drug dealing at the restaurant. He also says Burke asked the BK owners to contribute to the Chicago Food Depository and hire locals. Contribute to the Chicago Food Depository. And hire locals. While being concerned about prostitution and drug dealing. And while you're contributing to the Chicago Food Depository, why don't you contribute to... Tony Preckwinkle. This is followed by another tweet that says, Gare also says Burke explained to the BK owners that they, quote, have to get a driveway permit, end quote. Mr. Burke is a stickler for the rules, Gare said. Hmm. He's just a stickler for those rules. Yep. So I didn't mention, and I won't get into, there's co-defendants in this case, and one of them is Pete Andrews, Burke's aide. So Meisner tweets, defense openings were all very good. The highlight this morning may have been Andrews' attorney referring to him as, quote-unquote, part-time Pete, a lunch pail ward guy, the kind of guy you might meet for sausages Polish Highlanders over by Archer, not a criminal mastermind. What a Chicago sentence. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the defense is that he worked part time and is stupid. <laughs> I have never crimed on a job, but I do know that it's like full time part. Like getting health benefits doesn't prevent people from criming on the job. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so now we're on to the witnesses. The first one does what has been called a Chicago civics class. Meisner tweets, we are about to get a look at a slideshow Mixon put together that she calls the schoolhouse rock version of Chicago government. Wow. Okay. Because one of the things that's come up, and, and I'll, I'm just giving in my impressions, but we t- take for granted that there's not another particularly large city government that is run like Chicago. We have 50 aldermen, which yeah. is more, yeah. And Meisner tweets the vast majority of juries selected to hear this case live in suburbs, some far-flung like Geneva, Plainfield, and Zion, and most say they have no idea how the Chicago City Council operates, what aldermen do, who Ed Burke is, etc. So they're getting a crash course. Fascinating. You're not, you wouldn't be dismissed if you lived in Ed Burke's ward, would you? Did that ever come up? I don't that came up probably that would be a cause for dismissal i am there was an article and i'll include it in the show notes from the people who live in his ward and he really did it sounds like granted it's not a full ward but they talked to a bar owner who gave significant amount of money to him and still can't get the pavement fixed outside of her bar Hmm. Got it. Yeah. You could definitely have an opinion one way or the other. Yeah. One, yeah, one way or the other. And one of the things, particularly, and this isn't true as much anymore, but one of the slides said, aldermen are mini mayors. And they talk about how Ed Burke was one of the most powerful people in Chicago government. The cross examination is what wouldn't you say Rahm Emanuel was the most powerful guy in Chicago government because he's the mayor I feel like that's a red herring but I'm not a legal analyst Hmm. I did this does make me remember when I was the first time we did this I was looking that question of 
does any other city operate like Chicago? And I did read this article that was, he was emphatically like, London is the only place that is even remotely close because they have so many idiosyncrasies in how the city is run and how it's districted and what's left over from royalty and all this crazy stuff. It's just that goes into the mix, but so that's yeah. no, no place in America at all is like Chicago is the takeaway. It, and it's crazy when you think about it. And it's one of those things where it's just like having lived most of my life in Chicago, I'm just, when I look at how other governments are run, I'm like, what? And they probably just look at me like, what the hell are you talking about, lady? <laughs> I guess your next stop is London. <laughs> there we go. We have, so they go through the, 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 the Chicago civics class. Oh, okay. We have this tweet from Meisner. We just heard the first wiretapped call from November 28th, 2017, where Burke is informed that Terry Gabinski's son failed to fully fill out his application to be a Chicago police officer and therefore would not be considered. Burke asks if he could redo it, but is told it's over. Remember the name Terry Gabinski. The jurors apparently get these really large binders of transcripts of what they're going to hear during the trial. And this is a tweet from Mariah Wolfel. Jurors have been given a massive binders in part to follow along with transcripts of tape prosecutors plan to play. Quote, pick up your big binders do it three times over your head, and then you'll get some strong biceps, the judge tells them. Mom, judge. That's all I got to Yeah. And then you'll get them it's... biceps. Yeah. Eat honey. Are you there? Yes. Oh, you went out again. Sorry for me. I don't, might be me. No, it's me. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I missed what you said about biceps. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I was just laughing and saying yes. And afterwards, make sure to eat a good meal. Yes. She's just mom judge. Mm -hmm. Later in the day, we have a tweet from John Seidel. We are on a sudden break so that Judge Kendall's therapy dogs can have a bathroom break. No, I feel like you heard that correctly. No, I feel like that. What? I feel like that could happen in like California. (laughs) Yes. So you heard that correctly. There are therapy dogs, plural, as in more than one. So at first I thought this is a woke Obama or Biden judge. Okay. No. 2005, George. Bush appointee. Bush also, the judge—they're not there for her. They're there to comfort the lawyers, the jurors, and the witnesses, which is apparently a practice that I didn't know about until now. Oh, really? It's something that the court does. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they're her dogs, but it's a thing that they do. And in fact, the Bernese Mountain Dogs, named Birdie and Junebug have been fixtures in the court for years. I like it. And I read an article that like some of the court, the court officers would bring them treats. And so now they really, anytime they see somebody in blue, they expect a treat. So they have to go to the bathroom, but societal treats update. Judge Kendall tells the courtroom a well-intentioned juror had brought a bag of treats and gave the dog, quote, the entire bag. It didn't know what was going on, Kendall says. Oh, gosh. And because this is a federal case, this is all sketched. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it is. Oh, my God. (laughs) I did not see. I did not see this part. 
<laughs> it's all sketch. And uh, Mariah said, we're taking a quick break because one of the judge's therapy dogs needed to go potty and had an accident on the courtroom floor. Jeez. <laughs> there are tweets about they appear to be cleaning something up. It's this whole thing. And one of my coworkers, I'm like, have you been paying attention to the Burke trial? Like, it got a little too crazy with the sick therapy dogs. Now, the next day, we have this treat from Meisner. Judge Kendall has taken the bench in the ex-Ald Edbrook corruption trial. Judge- I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Which says one of the jurors has reported she rides the train in with one of the prosecutors in the case, but they have not spoken. That's fine. You don't have to hide from each other, judge says. They all have to say they talked to anybody about the case or anything that's gone on. Now, she also made a statement, the judge did, that there are no bad dogs, just bad owners. And she'll be watching what they eat more closely from now on. Own it. Own it. I don't know. I just. It's that tickles me. And then we get. Oh, another juror went home. They had to report this that like their spouse asked them if they were in jury duty with a dog got sick. Oh, and they answered and that got them booted. Oh wow. No, I don't think it got them booted. Oh. They answered and then the judge just looked at the press and was like, Thanks, guys. Because everybody knew about the accident because of the press. Cause literally. I had no idea these two lovely beasts existed until the first day I heard about them because they come out during breaks. We get some audio and some videos. Now we are in the room where it happens. The way they planned on structuring this case is to go through the four different components. The first is the Field Museum. The second is Burger King. The third is the post office. And the fourth is a Binny sign for Binny's liquor stores. So they're going to do, they're going to start with the field museum and they play audio. And it's basically Burke berating people who work at the field museum for not hiring his goddaughter, Terry Gabinski's daughter as an intern a few months prior. And we went through, and if you want to listen to the indictment episode, we went through Terry Gabinski was elected alderman the same day as Ed Burke. And there's some sort of connection to Dan Roskankowski. Was it, someone was an aide for him. But this is his daughter. She just graduated from college. She wanted a job at the Field Museum. She submitted Burke had an aide. I don't know if it was part-time Pete bringing the resume over, but right. no one has a record of getting her resume. And he's mad, and he's just berating them. We get the audio. They're like, wait, we, we can hire her now. And he's like, that, that ship has left the dock. So she's gotten another job, but he they want to raise the fee at the Field Museum by $2. Now, this is not some of the city council oversees. This is the park district. Okay. But Burke was like, I'm sure if I called the park district, they'd take a call from me. Jeez. Yeah. And he knows he can take it. Yeah. He absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They admit, the, the defense admits in the opening, they're going to hear him sometimes be cranky, but they're trying to make it sound like it's just a bad day. When bad, not strong arming. Yeah, like someone who's actually been on the receiving end of Ed Burke's anger and heard from other people who have, I think it's more like a more common occurrence. And the museum said we never got the app. Isn't that right? That's what they're saying. Yeah. And they they made a point. They're like, we try to hire as many 
interns as possible. Yeah. 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 So they're um, re- yeah. So there's a chance that it didn't go in through the portal. But mm-hmm. if they're saying, okay, we can do it now, then they actually offered her a full time job and she was like, I don't need that. Like they bent over backwards. Yeah. Yeah. But the point of it was what made him mad. Right. It was, well, when it came across, and this is how I interpreted reading it, is he was just really embarrassed. This is his goddaughter, and he's the most powerful person in Chicago, and he can't get an internship. He felt like his influence wasn't working in that case, and that upset him. And and that's on top of, remember I said, remember the name Terry, whatever? The intern's brother was the one that didn't fill out the application to be a cop properly. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's now, it is like the first, like, why I share the details. Because there was actually, no, you don't have enough influence to sway us here. Yeah. Yes. So they move on to Burger King. This test deals at the Beverly Country Club and the Union League, as well as a picture of Burke and the owners in an empty Burger King. Now, it's complicated, and there will be a longer episode in the who, what, when, where, why of all of this, but there's something about powerful Ed Burke in this dilapidated Burger King. And the Burger Kings were owned by a franchise owner out of Texas, and they bought over 100 of them in the Chicagoland area because they were all still like the 80s decor. Yeah, I remember it well. So they talked to the owner of the Burger King, put out the timeline of how things went, the permits being pulled. Now, Meisner tweets this. Just as an aside, but sometimes I wish the public got to ask questions free of any courtroom rules. Do you realize, Mr. Dahani, that by trying to give $10,000 to Tony Preckwickle at Ed Burke's behest, you may have unwittingly changed the course of Chicago history. It's true. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 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 The jurors and the press, they all get Thursday. Day and Friday off for Thanksgiving. We're back in court on Monday. The defense lawyers are wearing masks again. Yep. And one of the lawyers is calling in via Zoom. Part time Pete's lawyer has COVID. Mm. Now, when I told my dad about the first lawyer having COVID, a little conspiratorial thought was that's a great way to get a continuance. I don't know. I'm just saying COVID, my mom did point out COVID is on, on the rise again. It certainly is. It certainly is. But it's also so part-time Pete was only involved in the Burger King component. They are going to shuffle things around. The first witness of the day was flown in from Texas. So she testifies and they adjourn for the day. Now, on to the post office. They call up the FBI to ask about how it worked, what they did, how they got Solis. And that's all really fascinating. But the most fascinating part, Solis was already wearing a wire and cooperating with them at the and he had promised them Mike Madigan initially. So he wore a wire to the 2016 DNC. Really? Yeah. Hmm. It was at the 2016 DNC where Ed Burke went up to him because he was the chair of the zoning committee to talk about hiring a certain demolition company for the post office. So he did not have Ed Burke on his radar. The feds did not have Ed Burke on his radar. He went back to his handler at the FBI and they're like, yeah, wear a wire. 
Okay. Yeah. Which really takes out the entrapment portion. Oh, funny thing about the Burger King thing that I didn't couldn't go back and find the tweet, but apparently the 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 Fed showed up at uh, the day they executed the search warrant in Burke's office. They showed up at the owner of the Burger King's house in Texas, and we're like, "You're not in trouble. We just want to talk to you." And the the lawyer's like, "That must have been disconcerting to have the Fed show up." He's like, "Yeah, they hadn't told me I wasn't in trouble. I wasn't going to let them in my house." Apparently, the entire courtroom just burst out laughing. So there was that moment of levity. And so the FBI agent outlines the Solis case, and apparently they showed up. They had enough stuff on them. They showed up. To talk to him at like eight in the morning months prior. A question was asked, like, don't you think eight in the morning's early? And they're like, normally we do this sort of stuff around six o'clock in the morning. Apparently, if the feds want to like want to turn you, they don't you don't get to sleep. We all also remember Bogoyevich and it was wasn't he in his bathrobe? Yeah, he was in pajamas or a bathrobe, something. Yes. It is, yeah. But I have a few tweets. This is from John Seidel. Apparently, the defense wants old school out, but MacArthur notes that Team Burke itself referred to Burke as old school. Kendall overrules old school concerns, but tells the feds to redact the reference to Ann Burke. Also from Seidel, Burke identifies Kate Moreland as the daughter of Jeff Moreland that he, quote, made a judge. Made a judge. Made a judge. Uh, the, so the defense eventually asks for a mistrial because Amtrak executive Ray Lang called Burke corrupt. Okay. This is from Seidel. MacArthur asked what Lang meant by old school Chicago. A developer hiring an alderman to do property work. I thought that was symbolic of the Chicago way of doing business. MacArthur asks what that meant. It's very corrupt, Lang said. I see no lies detected here. Yeah. But I just love that. What does that mean? It's very corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Made a point to... Do some extra research on this. So I'm just going to read this to you then. Okay, I'm listening. So Lee's is talking about... I'll pick this up midway. I I don't want to be left out because that's happened to me in the past. And I think that's something that most aldermen in the city of Chicago that are smart, they want to make sure that they're on top. Then there's some simultaneous conversation. Burt, did you see the play Hamilton? Solis, no, I haven't. Burt, there's a song in there. I want to be in the room. Solis laughs. You get my point. Simultaneous conversation. Burt, so it's as true today as it was in 17. Solis. Yeah, yeah. 76, says Burke. So we now have Hamilton in testimony. In the actual testimony, yes. <laughs> Why did they not use this in the marketing kit? I can't tell you how badly I wanted to text you when that came out. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> they've got to put that in your TV spots. Now, it's great. Mar Who does? Gotta let him know. The right. uh, the judge does not allow for a mistrial. She did consider it. They had briefs, but no mistrial. Yesterday was when they heard the two phrases that have become part of Chicago political history. So have the uh, tuna landed yet? And the cash register hasn't rung. They also got. The F bomb. Exciting. It was an exciting day. The cover of the Chicago Sun Times was brilliant. We also got this nugget. 
if we land the tuna, there will certainly be a day of accounting. You can count on that. Jason Meisner tweets this. Judge says she sees some, quote, sleepy eyes, end quote, among the jury and tells them to get up and stretch. Then she quickly tells Duffy it, quote, has nothing to do with your performance, end quote, on cross, quote, it's just that time of day, end quote. We've now resumed with more questions about tax incremental finance. (laughs) 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 It was all about tax incremental financing. It was like you could just see like how bored you'd get. But it's also that she felt the need to tell the lawyer it has nothing to do with you. I know. (laughs) So now. That brings us to this morning. One of the jurors apparently fell asleep watching The Golden Bachelor last night. Oh, this is a tweet. One of the Ed Burke jurors apparently fell asleep watching The Golden Bachelor last night. And when she rewatched the recording, she briefly saw a news tease with Burke's picture and the word mistrial. Quote, I don't even know what The Golden Bachelor is, Judge Kendall says. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. Then we have this tweet from Jason Meisner. Listening to a phone call from June 19th, 2017, between Ed Burke and post office developer Harry Skydell. After Burke gives Skydell his personal email account, Skydell says, quote, okay, you're still using AOL. Wow. <laughs> Legit. <laughs> to which Burke responded, this is from the quote, I am. I might be a dinosaur, huh? Burke says, you are. (laughs) Also, there was a, which is just so boomer. Yes. Yes. Somebody wrote guilty of being boomer level four. What I find, it's so funny too, just listening to this. What I find boomer and Mayberry is just that every time it's the old post office, the old post office scheme, (laughs) just the old, old lady Withers mansion down the street. But it's the old post office. They finish with witnesses on the old post office and they move on to the part around the case involving a binnies at the six corners. Yep. I remember that. And as a account called at people's fabric pointed out six corners, the site of alleged Ed Burke corruption and another property that separately involved alleged bribes to Jim Gardner. Few businesses can, can survive there, but apparently it's a hub of corruption. John Seidel t- tweeted this. In a call we just heard from eight, August 30th, 2017, Burke asked his assistant to call building commissioner Judy Friedland and, quote, ask her to take a look at the situation where this Chinese guy called about Bitney's liquor store and the poll. For a, 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 a large poll, the poll outside, right? They the wanted sign. to put the sign on a poll. On the poll outside, yeah. Yeah. Which we'll get into, but I love the fact that they just called them the Chinese guy in the poll. It's like... Jeez. So that's where we left things off. So this trial, it fascinates me because the corruption itself is lamer than a politician making a reference to the room where it happens. But I think it is the minutia that makes it important. And I think of an Impressionist painting, if you look at an Impressionist painting up close, it's just a lot of brush strokes, and you have to step back to see the bigger picture. Like, berating the Field Museum employee in and of itself could be an innocent thing or a bad day, but it's the composite of the whole that makes it interesting and we've talked about this in the past, is I do think it's just how they did business and he doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. Well, in the 
supporting that is that it's not like a very clear pattern. It's like everything from messing with a museum internship to signage on a pole outside a liquor store to a giant real estate deal with the post office. It's gay. It's a bouquet of activities. Yeah, it's a bouquet. It's a bouquet of activities. And oh, you forgot the Burger King, too. And, right. And let's not forget to throw in a uh, fast <laughs> food franchise. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bouquet of, and I think it's, I, I was listening to some stuff about George Santos, who's also a bouquet of corruption activity. Oh, man. Talk about. <laughs> so I think why? why? I have forgotten the past, like some of the greatest hits from the past year, but it is just I, a bouquet. Yeah. Yeah. Just. It's not all that dissimilar. It's well, Santos is much crazier in a way, but you know that <laughs> every casting director in Hollywood right now is oh, okay. Who do I have that can play him in the movie? Oh, absolutely. I forgot about the dog scam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a bouquet, which I think is indicative of. It's a, not a one-off. It's just how they go through life. And it's not nearly as exciting as, I don't know, a laptop. It's the little things that just corrode our trust in institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that. Yep. Just this guy who's doing this and doing that and the post office and binnies, none of it's, none of it's sexy. None of it's exciting, but it also then has these moments that you're just like, so uniquely Chicago, like the dog's getting sick. Yeah. That's something else. Or the, the guy, the juror lived across the street from fast Eddie's kid. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there are just these moments that you're just like, oh, this is just quintessentially Chicago. Now, I don't think, I don't know, because it is all so subtle. The government is, mm. thinks that they'll rest by, they'll be done by December 11th. So, December 11th. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. And the defense doesn't know how long they're going to need now they are saying that they are going to the government is not calling Solis they feel they can make the case with the wiretaps uh, but the the defense says they're going to call Solis there's also because Solis had videos so you can see like moment the moments like what we're not getting here in the Twitter is the moments where Burke smirks. We're old school. And they did call themselves old school too, by the way, even though it later became a defense thing. We'll see. They're hoping to have it done by Christmas. When we got, especially when we got to the Hamilton part, I'm like, oh God, I got to get John on. Uh, you got the COVID, you got the sick dogs, you got Hamilton reference. The ultimate mom judge. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> Another one's got to be a courtroom movie. I don't know. It, it, it's Chicago, so it'll something. It will not be a movie. It'll be like a weird musical by The Annoyance or something like that. Yeah, Burk, exclamation point the musical. Yeah. yeah, or maybe just the dogs. We could do a whole musical about the dogs. Or maybe is a TV movie narrated by the dogs. Yeah, thick. The, uh, the VOs, the voiceover from the dogs. When I walked into the break that one day. I <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, the judge also, there was a tweet about the judge. says so like, now he gets scared for two things. Did you get skunked? And did you get sick? Otherwise, it'd be boring. Otherwise, it's just about like tax and governmental financing and weird arcane. Like the pull of the binnies also just points to like how weird our zoning laws are yeah yeah so any thoughts for you does just this whole con i'm fascinated by this whole concept of 
Chicago city government runs like no other. I know. Um, this was seriously no other and like far from it. Does any other place like not give you a liquor license because of whatever the problem with the last bar was? That Probably not. Yeah, that would be a common thing. I always remember people that I knew who were opening bars and was like, yeah, the last guy got in trouble. Who I don't know had nothing to do with, has never met. But now I'm having problems because of whatever he did. Yeah, I don't think that. That was an interesting Mayor Daly the first, because there used to be a lot more bars, but racism, they closed a lot in the 60s. Because there used to be the joke, we still joke about how many ridiculous amount of bars we have. Yeah. But it used to be more. But it is fascinating to think about Chicago just not operating like any other city. Right. And I don't think a lot, I don't, I as a Chicagoan wasn't really aware of that. I thought we had our quirks, but I didn't realize. And there's always been, right, you are discovering this as you go through these episodes. There's always been this thing with Chicago. Of, it's a world city. It's definitely a world city, but it's also firmly in the Midwest. Firmly a Midwestern city, right? Yes. Yeah. It has some of the best artistic in institutions in the country, but also it's a total sports town in a way. So it has all of this stuff. It has something for everyone. I do remember, it does have something for everyone. Yeah. I remember I mean, Ob well, Obama came from here mm -hmm. and voted Ed Burke. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Bogoyevich and Rostenkowski and Dick Durbin, who makes the news a lot lately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel, now ambassador to Japan. Is he? I was thinking, I knew he was ambassador to something, to Japan, right? Yeah. But yeah, Chicago's just a, and it's a city that it is run on, especially, it, it's different now, but there was a time when people were dependent on their aldermen to get their trash picked up. That's why they have that power, right? Because if you're, that's what people are worried about. If there's trash on the streets and you're not safe and I can't park and the permit for my business is effed up and I'm going to deal with all of this stuff and not go up the pole in politics yet. So that's why they had so much power. Right. Yeah. And now, and, since we last talked, our city council is just fully dysfunctional. Fully just. There was a man may have put hands on a man, on a woman, but then the I, I can't even. They hugged it out and someone got censured. That's how I'm going to end that story. Okay. <laughs> just as an update for anybody, I know you're all really concerned about our free little library legislation. It has gotten kicked back to... I want to say the traffic committee. It, it got kicked hmm. back to a committee that made no sense for it. So I think it's going to die in committee. Now, I did get some insight into why Ray Lopez, I was like on Twitter, I'm like, what's the corruption here? Because that's it's Chicago. And they said Ray Lopez is actually much more petty than that. And he probably just has a neighbor that he doesn't like who has one. But there's also an unsubstantiated rumor that he thinks people are using it for drug deals really really <laughs> yeah dude. which i want to point what yeah I, dude go over to ravenswood and look in pride and prejudice and there's where the stuff is <laughs> i'm gonna just leave it on the corner because i have one i've got two i have an elementary school on my corner i'm just gonna leave it there so maybe an elementary school kid can find it was also one of the things that I, we didn't talk about is Burke was concerned that the Burger King was being used for drug deals and prostitution. This Burger King was in his ward. So if he was actually concerned that it was being used for prostitution and drug deals, mm -hmm. he should have done something about that. Correct. Correct. 
And maybe so, the maybe the bigger problems are the prostitution and the drug trafficking, and not the Burger King. Like, bro, exactly. Like all evils sprout from Burger King. So if we can get rid of that, then we'll be fine. I mean, it, look, if we can keep it closed for as long as possible, so we have some good urban blight happening, that or drug deals and prostitution never takes place. Right. Where there's urban blight. Right. Abandoned neighborhoods. Yeah. There's never any crime that happens in abandoned neighborhood buildings. Right. No, it's fun. They're just for raves. Yeah. But yeah, it is fascinating to think about Chicago just like not being run like any other state or any other city aside from London. And Right. It's like my parents came to me like, we didn't realize that you guys sold your parking for 75 years. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to plug? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. I will be in touch with you in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll do a more formal autopsy of this after the verdict comes out. Tune in next week when I'm going to actually do something sports related. Yay. Yay. And, and listen, subscribe. I didn't write anything formal about that. 